So in one of my earliest positions, I was in my early 20s, really my first role after I was out of sports and into just a marketing role, I was low in the org chart hierarchy. (laughs) And the director of marketing in this company, that actually was a really, I know directors sometimes in different companies hold a different, you know, level, but a director um, in this company was really high up there. And what would happen is every time we would do a print piece, like a, you know, it was like a sales catalog that was going to go out in the mail. The director who was, two or three positions higher than me would read it and mark it up to such detail. I mean, just extreme red line, the whole thing. And even at that very young age, I would think, wow, this is, I kind of thought once you were leading the the vision for driving the revenue of a, a company this size, and this is a huge hundreds of stores this person is in charge of that you wouldn't be doing this. You know, as I got in further to my career, I was like, oh, that's what micromanaging is. Um, Just the very tiniest details of grammatical errors. And so eventually, you know, I learned that there is a better way to lead, but it always felt like you just never knew at what moment this director may see some piece that you're working on and find 12 ways to mark red on it at any given time. It was, it was a strange, it was a strange time. I I learned that that was probably not the best dynamic for a team. This person that I worked with, I don't think he was necessarily a bad guy or, you know, was not trying to do his best. But I think what probably was happening was that's what he knew well. And so rather than getting into this, you know, next level vision work or maybe these big projects that were harder to do, he would default back into this area that was kind of a passion of his that he enjoyed doing, but wasn't the best usage of his time. And so today we're going to be talking a little bit about that because we all have it, a distraction zone of getting stuck and doing something that probably isn't the highest leverage use of our time. Been there, done that. The distraction zone. So I know this from the Freedom Compass. This is yes. a concept I think was first introduced in that book, Free to Focus, but it's something that we talk about, the the freedom compass, the four or I guess technically five zones, right, uh, that can help you contribute for or find where your highest contribution is. And the distraction zone is a section there where there's something that's perhaps interesting, but it's not your highest contribution. It's not really what you're best at and ultimately results in some time being wasted, right? For yourself, for your team, Uh, that distraction zone might feel good in the moment, uh, but usually it slows you down or or keeps you from realizing the results that are most important. Can it be defined as work that you find yourself doing that you actually don't get paid for, nor is it in your, (laughs) your job description to do so? Or is that, is that overreaching a bit? I think that's 
seems fair. I don't know that anybody is paying me, for example, to go organize Google Drive folders. <laughs> <laughs> but you're great at it. I'm so good at it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's that's apart from just for clarity, that's apart from somebody coming to you and asking for your advice on, hey, can you do you have any ideas on this ad that's about to go up? Can you, you know, can you proof it quickly versus like you going like Courtney in your story? Like, it sounds like, you know, your guy was adamant about making sure it was well marked up. So you had the proper direction to do what you needed to do to do your job. Mm hmm. Or actually, my boss to do her job and then me to there you go. <laughs> the layers here. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's right. That's a good, or it's at least not, it doesn't move your goals forward. You know, nothing about the distraction zone is going to propel you towards your goals. It may be like, yeah, that's nice when the Google Drive folders are organized, but that's not propelling us towards our goals. So let's figure out how to stop it before it starts. We'll explore that in this episode to identify three reasons why you might find yourself in the distraction zone. This episode is brought to you by Life Focus, a new gamified approach to life planning that's easy, fun, and gives you a GPS for your next 10 years. You can start today at fullfocus.co slash lifefocus. Welcome to another episode of Focus on This, the most productive podcast on the internet. So you can banish distractions, get the right stuff done, and finally start loving Mondays. I'm Verbs, here with the amazing dancer, Courtney Baker oh my God. and Blake Stratton. Do not go on YouTube and watch this show. I can tell you, it is scary. <laughs> You will find yourself squarely in the distraction but zone. What if you I can do that? You know how you like for the listening audience, like you take your arms out wide and you do the like wave, you know, with your arms. But like, what if we could do it from like one person to the next person, like in our video? That that would be. That's so what people. Not, I mean, the, the challenge so is upon you. Our subscriber base zone. would just go through the roof. <laughs> be like, you know, I was struggling with my focus, and I really want to hit my goals. But then I saw these people do the wave digitally on YouTube. Oh, wow. And now my life is just a rocket ship to All my right. goals. I'm not going to talk anymore. Let's just get into it. Why does this happen? Let's solve it. Let's go. I think maybe Blake was being sarcastic. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But Courtney, I liked your idea. Thank you. <laughs> Reason one is ego. Ego can come into play when we find ourselves in the distraction zone. The reason I say this is because if we're doing something in our distraction zone, it means that this isn't really where our highest contribution is. It's maybe not what we're probably best at doing. But if we have this idea that, well, I am the most capable or um, no one can do it but me, or I've got to take care of everything. That's an overinflated view of ourselves. So it might take a little reflection, but if you're finding yourself not getting the results that are most important that you're responsible for, you may 
take some time to go, okay, is, is ego leaving me in my distraction zone? Is it, do I have this sense of self that's overinflated to the point where it's hard to let go of stuff that really would be better in the hands of somebody else or just not being done altogether? Now, I said that one so that you guys couldn't point your finger at me, you know, and say, <laughs> Blake. I think another important thing that we all have to consider is um, really inviting somebody in to, well, one, we have to assess ourselves properly, ruthlessly to figure out, yes, this probably is a, is a challenge for us or, a, or an area we need to tend to. But then also it helps when we have an accountability person, someone that we trust to tell us the truth so they can identify when we are um, spending too much time in our distraction zone and really help us figure out, you know, what is that threshold when we know we're starting to bleed over into this and can help pull us back. Reason two is passion. You know, sometimes you just get so excited about Google Drive, you just can't help it. Michael Hyatt, our founder, actually talks about this in our course, Free to Focus, and in the book, that many people confuse proficiency with aptitude, but they're actually not the same. So let me break that down a little bit here. Proficiency equals skill plus contribution. Aptitude just means, hey, I am interested or I'm inclined to lean this way. And what can happen is that passion can mask proficiency. And so what you may need to look at is, hey, how do I know the difference of something that I'm just passionate about? For example, guys, I love interior design. Love it. I look at it all the time. I like to look at houses, design. But if you were to ask me, hey, Courtney, could you design our living room, you know, you love it so much, you're so passionate about it. First of all, it would take me a really long time to do it, like a really long time. So that's your first key, that this might be an area that you're passionate about, but not really proficient <laughs> at. If you start falling behind on other responsibilities because you're just, you're basically working in an area that you're passionate about, but you don't have the skill sets there yet. Um, it might be a sign if you're having friction with your other team members, that might be a sign as well. And certainly if your work isn't delivering results. Mm. In my case, if I do not deliver a plan for you, um, that would be a good example because that probably would, would happen. The third reason you might find yourself in the distraction zone is history. Maybe these are tasks that you have done historically. You know, I've always done this. And so, of course, I'm going to continue to do it. Well, just because you've always done something does not mean that you should always do it, that you should be continually doing that and adding more and more things to your plate. This may feel comforting. And I think, Courtney, you referenced this in your in your story about your boss, which is, it, there is a sense of comfort to do something that is, oh, well, I know how this works. You mm -hmm. know, this is what I used to do, and this is an area of comfort, whereas growth is going to exist largely doing things that are challenging, that are inherently uncomfortable. So be aware of that. In fact, you may want to ask yourself some questions to see if you're looking back rather than looking forward. Mm -hmm. For example, does this work contribute to my future growth? Is this task 
actually part of my current job description, not just what I used to do? And third, is there someone else who could be doing this instead of me? Ask those questions and don't let history be the reason why you end up in the distraction zone. Well, you probably know the benefits of the compound effect of small actions through daily habits, but the biggest question is where are those habits leading you? Well, without a clear destination, it's really challenging to stay on course and keep up your motivation. So how do you decide which habits to prioritize in any given day, month, or even year? Well, the answer is a life plan. We here at Full Focus have created Life Focus, which is a brand new gamified approach to life planning. Each Life Focus kit comes with 11 card decks to help you define your personal mission, identify your personal values, describe your desired future, and determine your next steps, including the key milestones and essential habits to help you achieve your plan. By the end of this fun and easy process, you won't just have a vision for your life, you'll have the next steps and habits to pursue a life of greater direction, growth, and purpose. And right now, just for being a listener of Focus on This, we are giving you 15% off our Life Focus Kit and our course. So just go to fullfocus.co slash lifefocus and use the code FOT15 to get started. Hey everybody, it's Nick, and here in the second part of the show, I thought I'd do something a little bit different, bring it back to some real old school conversations, just like basic ideas around why we use the Smarter Framework, what it means, what stops us from achieving our goals. This is a conversation from the Business Accelerator podcast. It's been edited down, but it's a conversation between Joel Miller and Dustin Guyton, who is a coach at Business Accelerator, which is the full focus business coaching program. So this has been edited down. There's a little bit of talk about business coaching, but I think it's all relevant. I've cut out the stuff that is very businessy, but we're talking about goal visibility. We're talking about achievement. We're talking about the ways in which maybe we don't write the goals that we really mean. And it's all very interesting. So I hope you enjoy. You know, one of the things that we see is that when a goal isn't visible or you just like you lose the connection to the why, for instance, like these are reasons why people struggle with keeping their goals alive. What are the kind of the reasons that you're hearing from clients? Well, the one that I articulate, you just said, people just don't see it. I always give this example. So if I've got a client who's, man, I just I'm struggling, I'm not completing my goals. It doesn't matter if it's a quarter. It doesn't matter if it's annual. I always give them this descriptor, this example. Imagine you go through all of the effort that it takes to set your goals. And in my example, I equate it to asking somebody that you're interested in out on a date. So let's say you identify somebody and you want to take them out on a date. You invest the money, the time, and you go out. The date's a smashing success. And you start this road down to the ultimate question, which is the one that a lot of people are terrified of asking, at least I was, of, hey, do you want to be in a relationship with me? And then they sit back and they answer yes, and you've succeeded. So you've gone through all of this work, you've invested all this time, you've invested money, and you finally get the relationship. And then all of a sudden you just stop calling. 
<laughs> like you've got, you did all the work to get there. And then you just stop answering their phone calls. You stopped answering their texts, texts. You stopped going out on dates, but then you still expect that relationship to survive. The same is true about goal setting. You go through all of the process, which is the first big hurdle of actually getting time on your calendar and dedicating the mental energy into setting goals. You share it with your leaders or you share it with somebody you trust. You gain alignment. You do all of this work and you put the goals in there with Cadillacs. It's the Cadillac of smarter goals, a suite of just Cadillacs. And then you just never get in the car. <laughs> That's what it feels like. So I am a very huge proponent of keeping them visible. Goals can't exist in a binder. If they do, they're just going to collect dust. So the first thing as far as a strategy goes is you have to find a way where you are engaging with your goals on some type of time horizon, whether it's weekly, daily, you know, the planner's a great opportunity, but frankly, not all of my planners or all of my clients, even though they're actually full focus clients, they're not perfect on their planner usage. And so we have a lot of conversations about using this as an opportunity to engage with your planner. But I think it's keeping them visible. Keeping them visible is the first step of actually engaging with them on a level that will help you complete them. Uh, but that's that's an example that I give all the time is a relationship. You do all the work to get the relationship and then you just stop calling. Nobody would ever do that and expect that relationship to last. But business owners do that when they're talking about their goals. Give us some other examples of where people are going wrong and how you coach them when you've got them on uh, on the phone. I think another area where people, at least some of my clients, that they really struggle, something I see is they've never done goal setting. At least they've not done it in a way that's stuck in the past. They've they've dated goals or they've got the components of a goal, but they've never structured them into something that is actually workable. And so a lot of times I see people that have goals that are just not inspiring. They're just vague aspirations. They just don't, they don't move the needle. They're just not interested. And so I have to coach a lot of times of really trying to drill down what was the essence of what you were trying to accomplish when you wrote this. What's the real end state? I see a lot of business owners where if they're new to goal setting, even with the smarter framework, they just start describing major projects or minor projects and they use those as goals but they don't actually articulate what they're trying to achieve. They just attack, uh, articulate some of the activity to achieve what they really want and what that would actually motivate them. Something that's actually intrinsically motivating to themselves and to their businesses. Uh, so I have to do a lot of work of really weeding through and leading business owners to just dig deep, spend the extra time to actually decide exactly what you want. And then suspend the how, which we talk about all the time. Don't go into solutioning. Go into what do you think you want? What is it that you want? And that question is a lot harder to answer than people think, especially if this is the first time that they've ever uh, set goals or set goals in a framework. That move into how is very tempting. And, you know, I catch myself doing it. We all do it in some form or fashion. You kind of you have this thing that you want to do. It's out there in the future. It's big. It's grand. Your immediate next step in your mind is just to start figuring out how you're going to get there. But that can also ultimately become demotivating because if you don't see how to get there, 
you like you turn off whatever that fire was that was going underneath you, you snuff it out. And all of a sudden your effort to find a path to the goal has just killed the goal. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me because the people that we get to work with day in and day out are high achievers. They're leaders, they're owners. And if you were to look at a lot of the other areas of their life, this isn't the case. They know exactly what they want. They go after, you know, when they were starting their careers, they knew what they wanted. It's what compelled them to start their business or to join that firm or to work hard so that they could get to the leadership position that they're at. It's just somewhere along the way I've identified and I call it vision Mm 1.0. I think that every person, when they start down the road to having a successful life, they have a vision in their mind of what success is. I'll use a personal example. Mine used to be, I want to build a million dollar company. I thought I grew up, Joel, you know some of my story. I grew up pretty poor for most of my life. And I used to have this thought, if I owned a million dollar business, I'd be rich. Like it was like this vague just thought. And then you have one and you build one and you realize, oh wait, there's taxes, there's workers' compensation insurance, there's paying staff. And so I think just a the lot details. of people- Yeah, just the details. I think a lot of people, they accomplish what they think was the vision for their life and it wasn't what they expected. And so then they get stuck with what, what what's next? What could I achieve? And then comes- the struggle between, am I worthy of this? Is this something, would people follow me? Because their business is now at a point where they would set goals that would you know, really expand and help them achieve their vision, but they just get scared. They just get scared of saying out loud what they know they can achieve mm-hmm. because it does, that does a couple of things. Now you're accountable to it. And if you say it out loud and you write it down, if you don't get there, you feel like a failure. And so most leaders that I work with, they struggle with the value of incremental progress. That's another reason that I see uh, business owners, they, they get stuck with goal achievement because they just, they get into the goal and they're not passionate or it was the wrong goal in the first place, or they were scared to write down what the real goal should have been because they didn't want to fail. So I go through a lot of this. There's a, it's, it's talking with clients and exploring this particular area is fascinating Talk to us a little bit more about motivation. You you mentioned uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, that kind of internal drive to do something uh, versus like maybe something feels imposed from the outside. Give us some examples of how that plays out as you're coaching clients. Yeah. So this is a, this is a very nuanced question, Joel. Every client is motivated by a different percentage of intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. Okay. So for somebody like me, who has, as a business owner, as a former business owner, who's experienced a lot of trauma and had a lot of uh, a lack of resources growing up. I did not grow up wealthy. Some of that was was shaped by my environment. The driving factor behind a lot of my goals early in my career was just I didn't want to experience scarcity like I had when I was a child. That is something that I see a lot of business owners possess. Not that example specifically, but things from their past that they just want to avoid. They just don't want to fill in the blank. Or I've always wanted to this, fill in the blank. So a lot of the work that I do is centered around pulling those types of things out because that's how you connect why to a goal. It's how you help people identify exactly what their key motivators are. 
that can be a, a vital component of setting goals is truly identifying what's motivating you and then feeling like you have permission to say it out loud. I've had clients uh, who, if they would have said their motivations out loud, they would get judged. So as an example, I won't use names or anything like that. I have a client who genuinely, genuinely is motivated by things. They love fast, expensive cars. They love really expensive watches. That motivates them. And so they set those things as the reward for goals achieved. Now, I could sit here and try to talk with him about connecting to certain things that would be traditional motivators, like family or, you know, investing in your team. And those things are exciting. He cares about those things, but they just don't inspire him the way it takes to achieve goals. And a lot of people feel guilty for that. They feel guilty if that's one of their motivators, if things is one of their motivators. So having a coach, you have a safe space to say that. And that's another part of what I do. I have to help discern what are your true motivators? What gets you excited? And how can we build a goal around that so that it's the well that feeds the activity? How do you see yourself in relationship to that client and that goal once that goal is set? You're there to help them arrive at at the goal. You're there to help coach them along the path. Tell us more about that. My primary goal is to be an accountability partner. So if you say something to me, and this is the reason that we have the Smarter Framework, setting goals is not a flippant thing. It's it's something that should be done almost laboriously or painstakingly. It need The goals need to be right. But once you arrive there, my goal is to help hold you accountable. It doesn't mean that you can't change and adjust. And this is also one of my roles. If you, if you start down a path of how you expected to achieve the goal and then it's not working, it's my job to help you identify through our conversations, hey, maybe this isn't working. The goal doesn't change, but let's pivot how we're getting to achieving that goal. So that's me being a source of, of accountability uh, with my clients. Uh, another thing is, is I help them attack, go on the offensive against the limiting beliefs that hold them back from achieving their goals. So there's a mindset piece. I help provide accountability for their thinking. Uh, we, we have conversations that, that go into what they're, what they're dealing with in their businesses and what limiting beliefs come out of those seasons. So I am mainly a source of accountability, but I'm also a thought partner. I also help them think through things and process information so that they can ultimately arrive at achieving that goal. So today's tip to level up your focus is to write down two tasks that you might think are in your distraction zone and write those two tasks down. And what will you do to get those out of the distraction zone? What will you do about it? Also, just as a reminder, we have been talking a lot about our spring clean to-do list. So you can still get that free guide at fullfocus.co slash spring and really make sure that you're working on the right things, not your distraction zone things. So go check that out again, fullfocus.co slash spring. Thanks for joining us on Focus on This. This is the most productive podcast on the internet. So share it with your friends and don't forget to join our Full Focus Planner community on Facebook. We'll be back next Monday with another great episode. Until then, stay Stay focused. Stay focused. I almost got like a 
British there. <laughs> Stay them. focused then. This episode is brought to you by Life Focus, a new gamified approach to life planning that's easy, fun, and gives you a GPS for your next 10 years. You can start today at fullfocus.co slash lifefocus.